Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before You in the blood righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, asking that You would bless us as we continue in this worship that we might honor You, that that which is said would be edifying to all who hear. The preacher can have his say. We can hear the words audibly. And sometimes what is said will resonate in our intellect, in the mind. But, O oh God, we need You by Thy Holy Spirit to speak to the heart to the soul, to the inward man, the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Oftentimes, we come to Your Word, whether it's in reading the Scriptures, maybe reading the writings of other men, hearing a sermon, and we know these things in our head and we can say amen to them in our head. And sometimes in the weakness of our faith, And in the troubles of our soul, we still know the truths of the Scriptures and yet find ourselves like the man that said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. The warfare continues. But we trust in You, our God, and we ask now that You would be with us as we continue in this worship to Your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. We come today to the fifth chapter of 1 John. We've been a long time getting to it and maybe uh, quite a few messages 
before we get through it. But one of the greatest and most important and contested passage in the Scriptures is in this chapter. I want to say that again. One of the greatest and most important and contested passage in the Scriptures is in this chapter. It involves verses 7 and 8. But it is generally identified as 1 John 5-7. Just about every well, as far as I know, every modern translation, with maybe the exception of the New King James, I didn't check that out. But essentially, every modern translation, and sometimes some Bibles that say that they are the King James translation will have a marginal note with regarding this passage and saying it's not in the best manuscripts. I deny that. And when we get to it, I can assure you we're going to spend uh, quite a bit of time Looking at that, most people would think that anyone that believes First John five seven is part of the uh, the original text would consider them uh, a redneck at least and a fool at most. Well, I fit that category, but I deny the charge. But we'll look at that. Eventually, before I, I will give a brief quote, but we'll quote more from this man later. Uh, Robert Trail was an it was a an Irish clergyman that lived from 1793 to 1847. So you'll see that this. Uh, Battle has been going on for a long time. He said, quote, A place of Scripture, talking about 1 John 5, 7, A place of Scripture that the devil's diligence hath not been small to weaken and to beat out of the Bible, though in vain. In other words, back in the 1700s, 1800s, this battle was going on then. It's not just in the modern days. But like I said, the Lord willing, we will look at that more in depth when we get to it. Different 
people would divide this chapter up in different ways. But I'll give you my division for whatever it's worth. Verses 1 through 3, I've called God's commandments and love. Verses 4 through 5, faith overcoming the world. Verses 6 through 9, the witness of God. Verses 10 through 13, eternal life. Verses 14 and 15, confidence in prayer. Verses 16 and 17, sin unto death versus sin not unto death. Verses verses 18 through 20, the closing called we know. And then the last verse, the final exhortation where he said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Verses 1 through 3. God's commandments and love. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. By this we know. There's another one of those we know. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Whosoever believeth. Again, I remind you, as I have many times, of the E-T-H on the end of believe. That means one who is presently believing. Again, I will remind you, as we shall see more in particular when we get to verse 13, John is not writing to try to get people to believe. Just like in his gospel, he was writing to believers. People who were already believers. Whosoever believeth, whosoever is currently believing that Jesus is the Christ, 
is born of God. Now, obviously, anyone can say those words. Anybody can say anything. But believing in Christ is more than just the statement of a fact. I like what Kenneth Weiss said. Quote, This belief is not a mere intellectual assent to the facts of the Incarnation, but a heart acceptance of all that it implieth in the purpose, the substitutionary death, in, the, in, the, uh, in its purpose, and the substitutionary death of the Incarnate One. It's putting your entire trust and life into the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we know, the devils can state about Jesus being greatly somewhat. Look in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, verse 28. And when he, that is Jesus, was come to the other side into the country of the Gadareans, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Now notice what these possessed with the devils said. And behold, they cried out, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? In other words, these people were possessed of devils, and these devils cried out that Jesus was the Son of God, and they also cried out regarding Jesus coming before the time of judgment. Look in Mark chapter 1. Here Jesus is in Capernaum in the synagogue. And in verse 23, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The, yeah, the Holy One of God. Look in 
Then again in Mark chapter 3, in verse 10, For He had healed many, many, insomuch that they pressed upon Him for to touch Him as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw Him, fell down before Him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Luke chapter 4. Taking up in verse 40. Now when the sun was sitting, setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Acts chapter 16. Verse 16. And it came to pass as he went to prayer that is, Paul, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, that is, Luke and Silas and all that were with him, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation." And then lastly, there's that classic passage in the book of James, chapter 2. Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So you see, it's just not somebody that can say the truth about Jesus that John is talking about in 1 John 5.1. It is those that believe. They believe in the substitutionary death of the incarnate God. They believed that the death of Christ was for the elect and saved them. They believed that the mercy of God and the grace of God was bestowed upon the elect and of the justice being satisfied in the person and work of Christ. And obviously, believing this includes many things. It includes Jesus being the Messiah. 
It includes of him being born of a virgin, possessed of a real human body, that he died for the sins of the elect, that he arose again from the dead, that he is seated in heaven and making intercession for us, that he is coming back to this earth, that he is going to rule in such a way that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, and that all of the wicked and the unbelievers will be cast alive into the lake of fire where the beast, the false prophet, and the devil to be forever and ever. These things are believed. This is what it is to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And it is of such a one that is born of God. It is God that gives eternal life. And He does that by the Spirit of God immediately. What do we mean by that? Not that it's done quickly, though it is. Because at one moment, you're dead. The next moment, you're alive. One moment, you can't hear God. The next moment, you do hear Him spiritually. Many people think that Someone can pray enough or witness enough or preach enough that they can cause someone to exercise faith. Well, a person can only exercise faith after he's made alive spiritually. We'll give a few passages of this. We're not going to do an in-depth study on the new birth. But look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll take up in verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. But notice what happened before they believed on His name. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, they were born of God. They were not born because of their blood lineage, whether Jew or Gentile, whether a believer or a non-believer. It was not because of blood that they were born of God. It was not because the will of the flesh, whether it's their flesh or whatever. It wasn't because they wanted. It wasn't because they desired it. And it wasn't because any other man wanted it or desired it. The only reason that an individual is born is because God sets His love upon them through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, the classic passage, Verses 3 through 8. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, literally from above, except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's blind to it. He's blind to it. An individual could walk into our assembly. They could see the congregation. They could see the preacher. They could hear the preacher. But unless they're born from above, it's just some people meeting together. No more than the Lions Club or the Moose or the JCs or some other organization. I'm reminded of the classic example that had been told to us more than once. I have reiterated it too. You probably have heard it from him himself when he was alive and preaching, Brother Hunt Sr., that he would go to the house of God. His father was a minister, but he and he'd have to go uh, Sunday after Sunday. He'd sit on the back row and go to sleep. He didn't want to be there. He didn't know what those... Foolish people were gathered together for. But one Lord's Day, after he woke up from his nap, the congregation looked different. God had blessed him with eyes to see. It wasn't the preaching of the gospel because he was asleep. But beloved, aren't we glad that we 
serve a God that can open a heart while one is asleep? It's more than on the physical level. It's on a spiritual level. You say, well, how can that be? Nothing is impossible with God. That's how it can be. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, I believe uh, that he's saying the same thing, water, even the Spirit. And I won't go into the reasons for that, but many times in the Scriptures, uh, uh, the water is a symbol for the Spirit. John 7 makes that plain. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He must be born again to see. He must be born again to enter. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. The wind goes where it wants to go. We've seen that with hurricanes and tornadoes and straight winds and a lot of other things. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. And then one other, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That, in short, is what it means to be born of God. God does it. God does it independent of man. Though He may do it while the Gospel is being preached. But it's not the Gospel that does it. It's God. God works when and where and how He pleases. And if you want to add some other passages to it, you can put down 1 Peter 1.3. 1 Peter 1, 23 and 25, and John 6, 63. 
I will address one passage that is often quoted to try to prove otherwise, and that's James 1.17 and 18. Particularly verse 18. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. The word beget there in verse 18 is a different word from the others. It's the idea of a birth. After there's life, the gospel does bring that life forth. The gospel does bring forth the life and cause people to understand various things. But it is obvious if one is dead in sin, he cannot hear the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2.14 makes that plain. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Therefore, in John, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. A divine work of regeneration has been issued forth to that individual. So we see that in order to be born of God, it has to be a work of God, a new creation, and that God has made us alive unto Him. But notice also what is said in here, in this first verse. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat is begotten of Him. It's not only just a mental ascent, but we see here that God's children, and we've seen this all throughout this first John, that if you're born of God, you not only love God, but you love the people of God. You love the people of God. You don't just love fellow believers in a congregation. You love the people of God wherever they are. And not only so, but we'll also see that for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Having the love of God in the heart of a child of grace is one that keeps 
the commandments of God. That's without question. And we must remember that. And we must keep that in mind as we continue to go through this. They go together. It's not an either or, it's both. It's not an either or, it's both. I'm going to uh, have to cut this message a little short today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we thank You for Your Word and the truth thereof. And I pray that You bless us to hide Thy Word in our heart that we live as You would have us to live. In Jesus' name, Amen.